and welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Cousins from under center, straight drop, it's another deep shot. Center of a And welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. Well, Kirk, anytime the Vikings beat the Packers, it's a good day for Viking fans. And I assume there's a little extra spring in the step of the folks out there at uh, TCO facility uh, in the wake of that big win over Green Bay. Certainly. I mean, anytime you win this league, uh, you come in on Monday and and you're, you're happy. Um, you know, losses are the lowest of the low, but wins are the highest of the high. And when as you said, it's a rivalry game, division game against the Packers and at Lambeau Field. Couldn't be happier and just proud of the way our team played. You know, there were so many parts of the game that it was tight. It could have gone the other way, um, but players made plays. Coaches did a great job coaching, and uh, we found a way to get the win. It was an unorthodox uh, win in the game in a lot of ways. I mean, if you look at the ball control offense in the first half, it was a punch and counter punch type of game. The Packers go on a 13-play, 75-yard drive. The Vikings counter with a 10-play, 73-yard drive. The Packers have a 15-play, 72-yard drive. The Vikings a 12-play, 67-yard drive. All touchdowns is 14-14, maybe one of the quickest halves of football yeah. that I've ever seen. Yeah, it was interesting. I think we only ran 20-some plays in the first half, only 49 total plays in the game. Um that's be an interesting stat to see how many plays we've run this season, just total, because in so many games, we just haven't run a lot of, had a lot of snaps. Um, but part of it is just having these long drives and, and churning the clock and to go in at halftime and have only had two real possessions. Uh, we were happy that we were two for two with two touchdowns, but we also knew that 14 points may not be enough, you know, in one half to win this game. So it was an interesting game. We only had seven total possessions and, the last two, we were really just trying to churn the clock. But um, as you said, a unique game. We were able to play it the way it needed to be played and deal with the elements and find a way to win. Well, let's talk about the elements. Did the conditions, the wind conditions change anything that Gary Kubiak wanted to do as your preparations began for Green Bay? Uh, you talked about the equipment managers kind of helping guide you through uh, the conditions when you walked on the field uh, a couple hours before game time at Lambeau. Right. I, we still didn't know. You, you knew the forecast was going to be windy and cold, but you never really know what that means until you get there. You know, a 10 mile an hour difference in wind is a big difference. And But whether it's 20 miles an hour or 30 miles an hour, it's still going to say a windy day on the forecast. So um, you get out there and, and then you also had to get a feel for how it was swirling inside the stadium. And it even started to snow a little bit in warm ups. And, um, you know, we kind of got everything. The sun opened up late in the game, but it was cloudy. It was snowing a little bit and it was a heavy wind throughout. And the wind was was far worse going uh, one direction over the other. And so we, mm -hmm. I think, had to be strategic with, you know, when we wanted to call certain plays, depending on which way we were going based on the quarter and uh, saving certain plays for the right time. And I, I think we did a good job of that. But ultimately, whatever the weather is, when you can run the football well, it just puts you in a position to, you know, be in control and control the clock, control what plays you want to call, you know, be in manageable third downs. And um, I think everything kind of was built off the fact that we were running the football well. Uh, looking at your bare bones passing statistics, 11 out of 14 for 160 yards. When, when was the last time that you threw just 14 passes in a game? I can't recall when that may have been. Yeah, those games sneak up on us every now and then. I remember the uh, first game of the year last year, and we only had 10, 10 pass attempts against Atlanta in week one of 2019. You know, in, in this offense, you know, it's it's built to run the football well. When you have a back as talented as Dalvin, you know, you're going to ride it and you're going to run the football whenever and, and however you can. So 
those games will happen from time to time. The good news is, is that usually when they do, it's it's a win, and that's what matters. No one was quite sure, uh, at least from the outside, how much Dalvin Cook could contribute coming off of the injury. Uh, the perception was maybe he'd be on a so-called pitch comp. But what, what did you see with him in practice during the week that led you to believe that uh, that Dalvin was going to be as close to 100% as he could be? You never know. I, I don't even know if Dalvin knows, so you want to be careful. But I remember back in 2018 with Dalvin, he was working through something and we had him on a pitch count and uh, and he would go out and kind of re- restrain it. And so you don't really know, but uh, it was great to see going into this game, coming off the injury, having three weeks to heal up. Um, being able to have him have 30 carries and be able to run the ball the way he did for 160 plus yards and score four touchdowns. Uh, you'd never know he was injured three weeks ago. The key play on the first drive that you had uh, following the Packers touchdown was the third and eight on the 34. And it threw a short pass to Dalvin. He took it and went 13 yards, which really kind of set the tone for the way you utilized Dalvin in that short passing game against Green Bay. was that It seemed like that was a, a great weapon that Green Bay just wasn't ready for. Right, and you never knew in the game where a field goal was realistic, depending on the direction you were going. Around the 34-yard line, we knew, you know, in a normal game, maybe you get down to the 25, uh, 30. You know, you're in field goal range, you can get three points. In that game, if you don't convert the third down there, either it's going to be fourth down and you're going for it, or you try the field goal, but it's not a high percentage. And so – for Dalvin to be able to catch that check down and take it all the way to a first down, um, again, speaks to the the player he is and that dynamic he can bring. Um, but it's a big boost of confidence when you can check it down on a short pass that maybe goes you know two yards down the field and it turns into a big you know 13, 14 yard game. Kirk, on the next series, uh, your rookie cornerback Cam Dancer was injured by his own teammate. Of course, inadvertently with Anthony Harris, I think hit him with a thigh to the helmet and he went down and. Uh, all the players were gathered on the field. They took a stretcher, and, and, and you're one of those moments where you just kind of pause, and everyone, fans, players alike, everybody's kind of. And I saw they had a shot of you on the sidelines. Uh, how sobering is that at that moment, and how difficult? Obviously, Cam's doing much, much better uh, to kind of just pick it up and go from that point when you see someone in that position, especially a teammate. Yeah, there's just a lot of unknowns. Uh, you're not sure if he's conscious, unconscious, if he's moving or not moving, and. You know, at that point, I'm not going to run out onto the field and start to interfere with the uh, medical professionals doing their job. So you're just kind of left to pray and and hope that uh, he's going to be fine. And so it was great to hear after the game that he was, you know, there and walking around. And, um, you know, we've lost a lot of DBs, especially at corners. So it's been, a, you know, some of the adversity we've, we've had to face. And um, I thought that the rest of the secondary did a tremendous job stepping up against a very – explosive offense and making plays and only holding them 22 points. I mentioned the counterpunching your offense had to do because Green Bay went on that nine-minute drive, and you could get pretty cold sitting on the sidelines. They took a 14-7 lead. Uh, first and goal, Green Bay from inside the one, Rogers shotgun. Two receivers left. One is Devontae, and he's very good. Adams goes in motion in front of Rogers. Play action, swing left. Devontae caught effortless touchdown. They're picking on Gladney, and Green Bay has taken a 13-7 lead. The last thing you need at that point is having a three and out that put the pressure back on your defense. And, and, and that was a key drive because you came right back and, and did what you had to do to get back in the game. Second and goal, a couple of tight ends making three. Irv Smith in motion. Eye formation, handoff, Dalvin to the end zone. Touchdown, Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin domination continues. And a day after Halloween, Dalvin, you're a treat. Right. It was certainly something where. You know, if you don't score and now you're punting back to them into the wind, 
uh, where they're going to have good field position and could go up by two scores, not the position you want to be in. So to be able to have a, a drive that ended in seven points, and not only that, but churned a lot of clock, you know, mostly run, but a mix of run and pass. And then uh, scoring the way we did with only so much time left helped to prevent Green Bay from having time to go down and score again before half. So very few possessions because of the long drives, but um, it also kept the ball out of a, of the hands of a really good Green Bay offense. And 14-14 at halftime with only two possessions, I think we were feeling like, you know, we, we could do some good things in the second half, but we also knew that the third quarter had been rough for us over the last several weeks. And so there was an emphasis at halftime that we have to have a better third quarter. And we started with the football in the third quarter and we thought it was important to, you know, score coming into the half and try to score coming out of the half. And that's what we were able to do. Well, not only did Dalvin Cook uh, score that second touchdown, but you prevented Green Bay, as you mentioned, from getting that ball uh, at the end of the first half to give Rodgers any time. And uh, if you could speak to the tight end, the blocking of the tight ends as well, the offensive line, we're going to talk to Ezra Cleveland, uh, did a tremendous job of opening up some holes as well. We ask a lot of our tight ends in this offense. Uh, they're going to run go routes. They're going to go down the field on seam routes. You know, we're going to use them for explosive plays in the pass game like we had yesterday with Irv. But we're also going to ask them to hold up in pass protection. We're going to ask them to do a lot in the run game. Uh, some of the communication they have to do with the shifting of fronts and the motions we have and the communication with the tackles and the other tight ends to know who's blocking who. Uh, we put a lot on their plate, and they answer the bell. And a big part of our run game success goes back to our tight ends and their versatility. And you mentioned uh, the opening drive of the third quarter was, was so important. Ten play, 85 yards. Got a couple defensive pass interference penalties, which doesn't always yeah. go the Vikings' way, especially at Lambeau mm -hmm. Field. Uh, and then Cook pounded it in to take that 21-14 lead. Second and goal, live formation. CJ in front of Dalvin. Irv Smith Jr. in motion. Snap. Dalvin up the middle at the goal stripe. Yes! Touchdown, Vikings! Dalvin Cook has hit the trifecta. He has three rushing touchdowns today. Minnesota leads 2014. Yeah, the, the third down pass interference was a big play for us. Uh, later, we got one that, you know, was was a difficult one because we felt we had converted a third down that was an offensive pass interference, and then that ended up leading to a punt. But mm -hmm. to get the one we did uh, in the third quarter was a big play. You know, you're on the fringe of field goal range. Uh, if you don't ha have that call go your way, uh, you're either punting, kicking a field goal, or going for a fourth and long. And instead, we're, you know, now in the low red zone and able to have first and 10 and first and goal. And, um, and then we had another third down and, and a pass interference that gave us a chance to, uh, you know, stay on the field and, and then pound it in. So two, two big calls there that uh, uh, went our way. And uh, we've had a lot of breaks not go our way at times. So it was good to have those uh, come our way. You got a big defensive stop. Then the, the play of the game, a third and nine at midfield. I think everyone's thinking you're going to you know, go downfield to try to get the first down. Instead, a little pass the flat to Dalvin Cook. Minnesota three of four on third down, third and nine from the 50. Cousins with a screen left to Dalvin. Gets the 50, angles right, ambles to the first down, cuts right 35, makes a Packer miss, and he's loose! Touchdown! Four touchdowns today for Dalvin Cook. That's a 50-yard run, and Minnesota leads 27-14. You had the best seat in the house. If you could take us in the huddle and take us through that play and what you saw and how it developed, it looked like a video game come alive, honestly, looking at that replay. Yeah, we just had a, a screenplay versus, uh, you know, a big Tampa 2 zone. And um, 
our offensive line did a really good job of, you know, selling pass to invite that pass rush up the field, which is the starting point for a good screen. And then getting off their blocks and getting out to the linebackers and to the second level and making those cut blocks that spring Dalvin. And then once Dalvin gets up, you know, 10 yards down the field, a lot of it's on him. He's got to be able to make people miss and run away from them. And then uh, Brian O'Neill had a great block late in the play that really prevented Preston Smith from being able to close and, and, uh, and nip Dalvin's heels. So um, kind of a, a total package there from the offense in terms of what our whole line did, what our receivers did blocking downfield, and then what Dalvin's able to do when the football's in his hands. And I may have had the easiest job on the play, you know, to just throw him an accurate pass and, and then, like you said, have the best seat in the house. Well, the superlatives are coming in about Dalvin Cook, and rightfully so. But uh, from a quarterback's perspective, uh, not just running the ball, obviously, and pass catching as we saw against Green Bay, but uh, if you could speak to his, his ability to, to block as well, because there are many times you could they, the team could be coming in with a blitz, and Dalvin's not afraid to mix it up with some uh, linebackers that are coming in. No, he's a very physical player. Like you said, he's not afraid to put his face on people and lower his shoulder. And uh, frankly, he has to do that as a, as a halfback, you know, to be able to pass protect in this league. They're going to send linebackers at you. Um, we ask him to do quite a bit, uh, not only physically handling protections, but mentally having to see the different blitzes and know his role and his fit. But, you know, he's also a threat in the pass game when we let him run routes. So another versatile player for us. And anytime you score four touchdowns, it's hard to uh, to fully – uh, articulate, you know, what he means to your offense. Could you sense from your offensive lineman, even when they get in the huddle and uh, how fired up they were to continue this running game? Cause I got to believe there's nothing more uh, that gives them more pleasure than to pound the football like that, knowing that the Packers were reeling defensively, that you had a lot of things going for you when you get in that huddle. Yeah. Offensive line want to run the football. And I think that's universal across the board. And, um, you know, it was great to give them those opportunities and, uh, it's certainly more physical for them to take the fight to the defense, but that's what they want. And, uh, hey, when you're doing as good of a job as they are and we're running the ball as well as they are, you know, why not keep doing it? So, um, And it's also great. You know, when your defense gives you uh, the lead like we had, you know, where we have a two-score lead, you're in a position to run the football. And so it really does become a team game where you kind of build off uh, the other phases. And when your defense, you know, is holding them to 14 points, you've got 28 you give yourself a fourth quarter where you are going to run the football quite a bit. And, and um, it was great to lean on them. I, I know you had a, your hands full just trying to figure out to keep the, the ball moving, but uh, Mike Zimmer mentioned after the game, how exhausted he was given the injuries and the, the lack of depth they had the secondary. And he's just uh, trying to make it up as, as it goes along. Was it, did you censor some chaos, but uh, organized chaos on the sidelines trying to keep Aaron Rodgers at bay as this game progressed with the limited number of players you had available. Yeah, it was a back and forth game and and there were so many plays. And I feel like I say this to you after so many of our games where you point to one, two plays and you say, if we don't have that play go this way or that missed tackle or that block that seems so insignificant, we don't win the game. And uh, when you when you understand that and then you live with that tension on every play going forward, knowing that, hey, the next play could be the play that makes the difference or an individual block on the next play could be the block that makes the difference in the final result. When you live with that tension, yes, after three hours, you're going to be exhausted. And that's more Sundays than not. Um, but certainly Sunday was, you know, a very back and forth tense game that you knew against a good football team, you have to be on every detail. Up until the very end, it's 28-22, and you knew that it, it would likely come down to a Hail Mary pass. Aaron Rodgers has done this so many times, but D.J. Wanham got in there, uh, forced the strip sack. 
28-22 Vikings Green Bay with no timeouts and 11 seconds to go in the game. Rodgers on a very deep drop, rolls out to the right. DJ Wanham, he crushed him! Yes, you did, DJ Wanham! Smacked him from behind, and that is the ball game! 28-22 Minnesota, border battle 121 goes the way of the purple, and the Packers got cooked by Dalvin domination. Yes, yes it is! The Vikings recover, but the plays reviewed and you're thinking of the sidelines this could go green bay's way and anything could happen at this point but fortunately they they ruled in favor of the vikings that you just exhale uh, 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 at that at that particular moment yeah i felt good about our chances with the review based on my view seeing when dj hit him and uh, it was great to be able to recover it too and just make sure that you know we put an end to it and um as you said you know that offense has done some great stuff in those moments in the past and so you just you're never feeling comfortable in those moments, knowing what they're capable of. And even a Hail Mary at the end, you know, they've shown that they can hit those consistently. So huge play by DJ, just a relentless pass rush that kept coming and coming, which was great to see. And, um, uh, you know, just a game, game-winning game play. Uh, when you look at the stat sheet uh, after the game is over, maybe you're on the plane ride home, does, does the lack of having zero turnovers, is that the one that, that stands out in your mind as much as time of possession, first downs, uh, anything else that – that you look at in particular? Yeah, certainly protecting the football uh, is a great place to start. And then from there, you just want to be efficient. You know, whether you have 49 plays or 89 plays, you want to make sure that you're making the most of them and that you're not uh, uh, wasting any play uh, because all of them are so precious. And so with, you know, fewer bites at the apple yesterday, both just in total plays and in pass plays, you just want to be efficient with the ones you have. And I thought for the most part we were. It's the first experience you've had uh, many times going into Lambeau Field without fans and the historic nature of Lambeau Field. Did that even feel more weird than other stadiums you've gone into to look around and going, wow, this is crazy. We're at Lambeau Field and there's no one here. Yeah, maybe it was just me, but the first quarter, you know, the first drive by the Packers where offense is just sitting on the sideline, uh, nobody there. It, It just, yeah, it felt different. It felt weird. And I thought by now you'd be used to it. And you know, we had had a similar game at Seattle, but even at Seattle, it didn't quite feel as strange as it did at, at Lambeau for whatever reason. Um, but I, I, I'm not complaining when I think about the third downs and how noisy it would have been in a normal season. And, um, you know, at the end of the game with the short yardage runs we had and the four minute offense, you know, the noise and the communication would have been very different had it been a normal year. Well, you've had some uh, really terrific performances. You think about how close you talk about a player or two. You think about the Tennessee game, Kirk. You think about the Seattle game. And even in a win, you think about the Green Bay game, how even this uh, this season can be and how it can, uh, how it can uh, do stretch out and understand that there's still a lot of football left. A lot of football left. And, uh, you know, that's the first point. And we made it last week coming off the bye that we had 10 games left. Now we have nine. And, um, you know, that alone is, is, is enough to get yourself back uh, in, in the right direction. But um, when you go beat a really good football team on the road, you know, that gives you even more confidence that, hey, we can go out and be a good football team and get stuff done. And then when you think back to some of the close losses um, and know that, you know, you're right there against good teams, uh, the margin for error may be small, but, you know, we can do this and uh, we just have to get back to work. Uh, stay the course, you know, not get too high after a win, just like you don't get too low after a loss. You know, now with a home game, see if we can get another one and try to stack them up. We'll be right back with our guest of the week, rookie offensive lineman Ezra Cleveland, right here at Under Center, presented by Fleet Farm. 
Innovative Office Solutions and the Minnesota Vikings are teaming up to put the spotlight on nonprofit organizations doing good in the community that surrounds us. Nominate a deserving organization by going to community.innovativeos.com. Innovative Office Solutions is the hometown provider of office essentials and furniture to the Minnesota Vikings. Are you all in? Download Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app to watch all of your favorite Vikings programming on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV. Search Vikings Now with any compatible device to begin watching videos. Watch full episodes of TV shows such as Vikings Game Plan and Vikings Connected Plus digital programming like The Voyage. Also watch game highlights, player and coach press conferences, and much more. It's vikings.com slash ctv for info. Our special guest at Under Center this week is Ezra Cleveland Kirk, a guy, a big guy that you're counting on to provide a lot of protection and obviously help on the run game. So I'll let you pick it up and pardon the expression, run with it, uh, because that's what you did against Green Bay all day long. Yes, Ezra, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, uh, our second round pick rookie, who's done a tremendous job stepping in here midseason. We're asking a lot of him at guard. Um, thanks for joining the show, bud. Yeah, no problem. It's uh, it's great to be here. So talk about getting your first start a couple weeks ago and just your learning curve right now, the process uh, that it's been as you've been thrown into the fire as of late. Yeah, I mean, um, starting at right guard and everything, it's a position that I never really, I never played in college, but um, got pra- I got uh, practice reps at it and, you know, um, I was just, you know, trying to learn as much as possible. And when I found out I was starting, I you know, did the usual text of my parents and let them know so they could watch. And fortunately, my dad was actually flying out to Minnesota for the game. So he got to see um, my first start and get to see me run out of the tunnel. And uh, I was nervous at first, but once you get out there and get that first snap in and, you know, you're just playing with the guys, it's just football and you've been doing it your whole life. So you just kind of resort, um, you just kind of go back to the basics. So there's a few things you said there that I want to run with. But first of all, talk about, you know, going from tackle. You were drafted as a tackle. That's what you played in college at Boise State. To guard, not only going into guard, but going from the left side to the right side. There's a lot of changes there. I would think the the average fan maybe doesn't understand how difficult that is, like going from left-handed to right-handed, moving from tackle to guard. Talk about that transition, too. So playing on one side for so long, you develop muscles, I feel like, in your legs and stuff that you use on the left side. When you switch to the right side, um, I remember after my first practice um, playing on the right side, my, my legs were a lot more sore than normal. And that's because I was using the muscles that um, I haven't used in a while because I've been playing on one side. So just getting those muscles developed and then from tackle to guard, um, all the combinations are kind of the same. You just work with different people. But uh, the big thing is timing. Um, the three techs and two eyes are definitely a lot closer than those five techs and the, the wide nine. So you just got to be ready to uh, shoot your hands and you know just be ready to go. Well, I think you're in a great offense, great system for you to be able to develop. I think Coach Dennison does a really good job. I think it's a really good run scheme. I think you've got great teammates on your, on your right and left and Brian O'Neill and Garrett Bradbury. And I was asking them, this week coming off the Packer game, you know, how you've been doing in there. And uh, we both, we all kind of joke the three of us about how calm you are. And I think the listener can sense just listening to you speak, how calm you are, quiet, uh, just kind of go about your business. And that's what I've sensed from you. Those uh, first few games now that you've played is you're just kind of go about your business, not going to bring a lot of noise to the party. Don't need to promote yourself. Just want to do your job. And 
Brian even said that after um, your your first quarter or two, you know, playing quite a bit, you kind of looked over at him and just said, "How am I doing? You know, am I am I am I doing a good job? Am I helping you on those <laughs> yeah. on those double teams?" So, kind of talk about that playing next to Brian and the ongoing conversation you have with him. Yeah, playing next to Brian's you know a great time um, for those of you that know him. Uh, he brings a lot of energy. He talks a lot, and it's the complete polar opposite of what I am. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, focus, get my job done, and do everything right. And then there's Brian next to me, like trying to coach me up and stuff. And it's great to have a guy like that next to you. And it's fun playing next to him. These past two games have had a blast. And it's the same with Garrett as well. Um, he does a great job, you know, telling me what to do, helping me out, and coaching me on the sideline when something goes wrong. So, Rosie, I'm in the huddle, and there's always a constant dialogue with the linemen. You know, if we have a good run, I'm telling them, you know, hey, great run, guys, or I'm asking Garrett, what cadence do you want here? And a lot of times Garrett or Brian will be telling me what they want without me even asking. Uh, Ezra's a little bit the opposite. You could go a quarter or two and not even realize he's there because he's just quietly doing his job. So uh, I guess that's just kind of his personality, keeps a low profile, and that's the way he likes it. But uh, He's a great athlete, and he's getting the job done. After Sunday's game, uh, radio analyst Pete Bursard said, offensive linemen by nature love to go forward as opposed to backing up. And when, you have a, when you're on a roll like that with a running game, as Dalvin Cook did on Sunday, uh, when you get in the huddle, it must feel so good to have kind of assert your will. Can you take us through that entire kind of experience when you know the running game is working so well as it did against Green Bay? Uh, yeah, the energy in the huddle is definitely different when – you get a big run or something, it sparks the energy and you can feel the momentum be on your side. And then uh, you just want to get back to the line of scrimmage and keep rolling them off the ball and doing your job and just working with the buddy next to you and getting that double team down. Ezra, can you talk about backing it up now, being that you are a rookie? Uh, you're new to Minnesota. You're uh, learning everything on the fly. Now you're starting and playing a lot of football, playing a lot of snaps. Talk about the transition, uh, getting picked. Did you know the Vikings were likely to take you? Was it a surprise? And what has that been like moving out here and finding a house and kind of getting settled here in Minnesota now? Yeah, um, I did have a, a good idea that the Vikings were going to pick me. And when they did, I was obviously happy because uh, I already knew some guys on the team, uh, Alexander Madison being my, my uh, former college running back. But um, once I got picked and we started doing meetings and stuff, it was great. And then you know, we did that rookie mini camp um, during the uh, during the off season, and I wanted I needed to go out to uh, go out to that to get to know you guys and get a feel for everything. And then once I figured out the guys were working out at uh, ETS, um, I wanted to move out here as soon as possible. So um, I started looking at renting a house um, right after that rookie mini camp. I actually went down there to um, to look at some houses, and then um, I ended up moving over here. Um, July 1st, I believe, which was which was a few weeks before we actually started and working out at ETS with uh, Garrett and Drew and AC and all those guys. I wanted to get to know them to start building that chemistry that you need um, as an offensive line group. And once we pretty much started everything, it's been it's been fantastic. I mean, everyone in the O-line room is fantastic. It's easy to get along with every single one of them. Um, I feel like I have something in common with all of them. And like I said, just building that uh, relationship every single day with all of them. So if you get put next to one of them in a football situation, you know that they got your back and you got theirs. Well, you're kind to talk about the O-line that way, because I also know when you're a high draft pick as an offensive lineman, there's some initiation that goes on uh, as a rookie. 
And uh, I got to ask you, talk about, you know, the initiation that's taken place over the last few months, the most recent one being your Halloween costume you had to wear to meetings <laughs> this past weekend before the Packer game. Uh, what has that experience been like? It's been really fun, honestly. I uh, I have two other uh, – there's two other rookies that um, have been, uh, you know, going through it with me. And <laughs> it's, it's definitely fun. Uh, if you just give into it and have a good time, you know, it makes everyone else laugh. And it just kind of brings brings up the spirits around the O-line room and it just makes it fun. You know, we uh, we decorated the O-line room for Halloween. And actually after this uh, after this uh, podcast, I'm going to go get some Thanksgiving decorations to decorate it for Thanksgiving. <laughs> So uh, we'll see if any stores have some Thanksgiving decorations and, you know, we'll, we'll try to decorate that room the best we can. And so when we go in there, our spirits are high and we have a, we have a good day. <laughs> October's got to be Halloween and then November will be Thanksgiving and then December, Christmas. Yep. And it's on the rookies to get it decorated. And you, you did a great job for Halloween. So we'll see what you got up your sleeve with Thanksgiving. But great job there. And uh, we got Kyle Hinton playing the tuba. Because uh, yep. he played it back in high school, so we had him bring in a tuba to play. Um, how about your Halloween costume? Tell tell me about your decision there and what the other guys went with. So um, during camp um, in run blocking, um, I would like move my feet really fast, and Rico started calling <laughs> me Barney Rebel. And I actually, <laughs> I actually had to do a PowerPoint presentation on the Flintstones and uh, give him some background facts and stuff <laughs> about the Flintstones. So it was only right for me to be Barney Rebel during, uh, for Halloween. And believe it or not, it's really hard to find a Barney Rebel costume that's big enough for, for an <laughs> offensive lineman. And then Blake Brandle, he's from OSU. He's a beaver. Um, so he ended up being a beaver. Um, everyone calls him Beav and makes beaver jokes. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then Kyle, um, he got like, he went to a spirit Halloween store and was trying to find something for uh, being like a tuba player. So he ended up finding like a Mad Hatter costume and it was a size too small. So he was like about to rip the threads on it and he's carrying around the tuba. It was a good time. Finding uh, the right size for you as an offensive lineman has got to be tricky. Um, it's pretty funny because they all came in with Halloween costumes and they're all just about a size or two too small. But uh, there probably wasn't a lot of selection there. So and I do my favorite, you know, of all the ways that they initiate you from making you carry pads to order food to Wearing a Halloween costume, I think my favorite one is the PowerPoint presentations. Anytime we hear about something that someone doesn't know about, like the Flintstones, if someone needs to get educated on the Flintstones or mask wearing or whatever it may be, Riley will turn to Ezra and say, we're going to need a presentation on that. And they have a short amount of time to turn around and have a PowerPoint ready to go. So that's my favorite part. They do a great job with that. It's game day any day. Play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mmlottery.com. From camo and cat food to tools and tires, you'll find it all at Fleet Farm, your one-stop shop. Fleet Farm is the proud sponsor of Under Center. Welcome back to Under Center. Let's hear more now from offensive lineman Ezra Cleveland. Hey Ezra, speaking of your weight, it's been a it's been a part of your biography as we look back uh, on your on your life. You were born three weeks early at eleven pounds, which is an interesting statistic. But then, as a high school freshman, uh, you were five ten, one hundred and eighty pounds. Uh, did you just starting eating eat a lot of pasta? What what happened between a high school freshman and where you are today, and what happened by the time you got to Boise State? So uh, I was five ten and one ninety five. I uh... I wrestled at 195 that year, and then 
I was kind of, I kind of hit like a few growth spurts throughout high school and my weight kind of went up a little bit with each growth spurt. So I think I, my junior year, I was like 6'5", 220. And then um, that football season, I ended up getting injured. I tore my meniscus and everything. They completely repaired it. Everything's good. But um, when I was recovering, um, I gained a lot of weight. And after I recovered, I was like 300 pounds and 6'6". And like all my all my lift maxes went up. It, it was actually crazy that coming from an injury, everything, and I got stronger. So uh, getting injured my junior year was definitely what uh, what ballooned me up to who I am now. How about wrestling and baseball? Being a multi-sport athlete, I, I believe that many uh, good football players have a wrestling background because of the way they learn to use their hands and leverage and uh, kind of the mean streak you have to have. Riley Reef was a great wrestler, for example. Talk about wrestling and also playing baseball, not the most common sport for an offensive lineman, but uh, what was it like being a multi-sport athlete and maybe how that translated then to football? So wrestling, I only did it for my freshman year. Um, I ended up stopping because I wanted the break between football season and baseball season. Um, but base You're a serious baseball player. Yeah, so actually um, baseball and football, I played all through my childhood. I think I started baseball before football. So I played those all the way up until I think I played baseball until my sophomore year of high school. And then uh, going into my junior year, I was injured and, you know, I was rehabbing during baseball season, so I couldn't play. And then when it came to my senior year, I decided to go strictly football so I could focus on it and, you know, try to take that as far as possible. I was getting scholarship offers and everything. So stuck with football and kind of left baseball off to the side. But I split both of them equally throughout my childhood and love them both. Now let's talk about your, your real passion gaming uh what's your favorite game to play uh who are you usually playing with or against and uh how long have you been a gamer and is this kind of is gaming just gonna blow up now and be the future everywhere i see it i see it everywhere uh gaming definitely has uh boomed um you know there's streamers everywhere now people watch them they make a lot of money it's it's a great thing to to see but um i've been gaming for a while i think i've had xbox live which is where you can play with other people. I think I've had it for like 15 years, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great time. You just get on get on there and join a join a party chat with your buddies. Just talk about the day, see how they're doing, catch up with them. And I normally play with uh, my uh, buddy back home. His name's Justin Stocker. My other my other buddy from high school. His name's uh, Tyrese Tate. We call him Teddy. But yeah, I play with them and just catch up and have a good time. What game do you like to play? Um, it kind of varies. Um, you know, you can't go wrong with the Call of Duties or the uh, <laughs> Call of Duty Modern Warfare. But um, I recently just switched to PC. So Call of Duty is the only game that I have on there. But when I played Xbox, I played Rocket League and all those uh, fun games. Uh, I think all college football fans are fascinated with the culture at Boise State. We always enjoy watching the color of the field, the teams you've had out there. Explain what that's what that's like because it, it, you have gotten a lot of attention being one of the un, most you know, kind of under the under the radar uh, powers if you want to call it that in college football and being a teammate of Alexander Madison as well. Yeah, uh, going to Boise is probably the best decision I've ever made. Um, uh, talking about the blue field, it's iconic. People everywhere, you know, they don't know Boise State, but they're always like, "Oh, is that the <laughs> is that the college with the blue field?" And you're like, "Yeah, yeah, that's it." And uh, it's just fun to be out there and play. And, you know, sometimes you go out there and see feathers on the field from 
from birds or something diving into it thinking it's a, a lake <laughs> i but didn't know that you never actually you never actually see dead animals on the on the field so you don't know if they put feathers out there to keep the myth alive or whatever but um all the coaching staff there is fantastic i still talk with them all and um it's just fun to be an alumni from there and you know watch them play football and do their best against each team and um they're playing actually BYU this this week. Um, mm -hmm. BYU's ranked ninth, I believe. It's the it's the highest ranked team that Boise's ever played on the blue. So that'll be a fun one to watch. Can't wait. Is there a memorable game that stands out to you uh, in your career against a particular opponent? Um, the most memorable memorable game was actually against Colorado State in 2017. Um, it was at Colorado State and. I don't remember how much we were down, but we ended up going into, we were coming back and we ended up going into overtime and uh, we scored, kicked a field goal or an extra point and they scored and they were going to go for two, I believe, to beat us and uh, Leighton Vandresh stopped him, forced a fumble and ball was ours and we ended up winning. Everyone ran on the field. It was fantastic. Ezra, I got to ask you, uh, Dalvin gave you the ball to spike after he scored one of his four touchdowns on Sunday. Uh, have you ever spiked it before? And uh, what was that like for you? I've never spiked the ball. Um, you could probably <laughs> tell from my form, uh, but uh, it was it was great. I think it was um, it was one of our uh, goal line runs, clearly. And I ended up finishing my guy in the end zone. And I got up and Dalvin was looking for me, gave me the ball. And he was like pulling over to the side of the end zone. So I was running over there and I like threw it down. And I actually almost fell over because I was <laughs> I was trying to throw it so hard. So it was it was just a great feeling and it was nice to share it with all all the offensive guys. And it was just it was just surreal. You've only watched uh, seen Lambeau Field on television. What was it like for you to experience it even without fans in Green Bay? Yeah, um, when we went out there for a warm up, I was kind of soaking it all in and it was awesome. Um, it's definitely the best field I've played on. Um, my uh, position coach for Boise State, Brad Fidel, actually played for Green Bay. So he'd tell me stories about how cold it would get and stuff. And it was cool to finally get to go play there. Well, you did a great job. I uh, can't say enough about the effort you've done, you know, not only against the Packers and the way you ran the football, but just stepping in as a rookie. I, I was there once. It's, it's very difficult, and it takes time to transition from the college game to the pro game, but you've done a great job at it. And I'm, I'm excited to uh, to see where, where you can go from here. Thank you. It means a lot. Vikings Connected is a lighthearted look at the Vikings players and organization through social media, as well as a platform to showcase the big-time personalities on the team. Segments include fan favorites such as Skull, LOL, Purple Pups, and The Hot Dish. Plus, new additions like History Lessons featuring comedian and diehard Vikings fan Cy Amundsen. Returning for a seventh season, our co-hosts Aaron Newberg and Chris Hockey from KFAN and the wildly successful, highly talented Power Trip Morning Show. Catch this thing weekly, KMSP Fox 9 or Fox Sports North or via the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Information, Vikings.com slash connected. Well, Kirk, you are back at home against the Detroit Lions and up and down Lions team on Sunday and uh, can't take anything for granted, but this is a stretch where you got three straight games against divisional opponents, so a lot on the line with this game. Certainly. Um, division game, uh, we're back at home. Um, 
you know, and coming off of a win, you just want to keep that momentum. So we know that, that, uh, as they all are, this is very important. And, um, we, we've let a couple slip away so far this year and we can't afford to, uh, to do that again. So, you know, we've got to be on the details starting Wednesday morning when we come into the building and get the game plan and then all the way through the week. I think part of the reason you, you get a win last week is you have a great week of practice and it started on Wednesday and we've got to do the same this week. The Lions will uh, welcome uh, a, a guy you're familiar with and a lot of Viking teammates are Everson Griffin to their lineup. And I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to, to get back at, uh, at your organization and, and the Vikings in particular. But Everson meant a lot to this football organization, no question about that. Yeah, he was, uh, uh, you know, kind of a heartbeat for this team for a decade and, um, you know, and so enjoyed having him as a teammate. Um, just a lot of personality, a lot of energy, he brought a lot of juice to the team, to the defense. And um, he was fun to have in the locker room. So uh, I'm grateful I got to play alongside him. Um, I had to play against him back when I was in Washington playing against Minnesota. And I know how hard that is. And now I've got to do that again. So um, should be interesting on Sunday, but it'll be fun to see him. I'm sure he'll make his presence felt with his personality, you know, whether it be at the coin toss or in between plays, you know, I'm sure we're going to hear him. This also marks yet another return for Adrian Peterson back at U.S. Bank Stadium. And I know Dalvin Cook's looking forward to at least seeing him and understanding he's one of his football heroes. But what impresses you from a, from a distance about Adrian and his longevity, the ability to still uh, play, especially the running back position, to play as long as he's played? Right. I was in our running back room uh, earlier this week and looked up on the wall and they have the, the former fullbacks and running backs who have been to Pro Bowls or were all pro. And you'll see different names, you know, a one time or two time Pro Bowler. Um, and then you see Adrian's name and it was, you know, seven time and eight time uh, all pro and Pro Bowler. And that kind of summed it up because you go around the different rooms and see the different positions. And if someone is a four time Pro Bowler, I mean, that really puts you in rare air and to be seven time and eight time uh, kind of sums it up. So not only the longevity now, looking at how many years he's played, but the consistency then of year in and year out playing at an elite, elite level. Um, he's one of the greatest running backs of all time, and he's still doing it. And um, I remember last year when he came here and played in Minnesota, uh, he still had the juice. And uh, you could see why you know he was still playing, because he could still do it. Well, to summarize, uh you got to get your first home win. The Vikings were had this air of invincibility when the fans were there uh, playing at U.S. Bank Stadium. Now you got a, an opportunity, especially against a divisional opponent, to kind of move that needle uh, and get that first home win of the season. Absolutely. Uh, you know, right now we're only three at home, and I just never would have thought that coming into the season that, that we'd be in that position. And so um, that's a chance to, you know, get our first home win and, um, you know, get a division win and, um you know, these stack these wins up and and uh, and see where you end up when the dust settles. But a lot of football left, and we're excited about the opportunity we have in front of us. Well, good luck on Sunday against the Lions, Kirk. Appreciate it very much. All right. Thanks, Rosie. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farms.